if everybody is talking about something that they're doing and all their results are mediocre, it's like, are you going to receive an outsized return doing the thing that everybody else is doing? Or are you more likely to see an outsized return doing the things that few people are doing? I'm Michael Mogul, founder and CEO of Crisp, the nation's number one law firm growth company. I've built my business through practice, not theory. Crisp started with just $500 to my name and has grown to over eight figures in revenue over the last few years, earning a spot on the Inc. 500 list of the fastest growing private companies in America. Our approach has been to take everything we've learned about generating massive growth within our own organization and help the country's most ambitious and committed law firm owners do the same for theirs. In each episode of this podcast, I sit down with innovative market leaders from the legal industry and beyond to learn from those who thrive in the face of adversity, challenge the status quo, and define what it means to be a true game changer. This is Jessica, head of coaching strategy at Crisp, and today we're flipping the script for a special edition episode to get Michael's take on why the quality of your team dictates the effectiveness of your organization, the transformative shift from tactical to strategic mentorship, and how to grow and scale a powerful network what's really helped me expand my network is that you just become a person of greater value. So what I mean by that is that if you can develop yourself and you can develop your organization, that's going to attract a lot of people to you. That's coming up on the Game Changing Attorney Podcast. Welcome back to another AMMA. We got some great questions lined up today, Michael. Happy to be here. I'm so excited for these. So for those of you who have just joined us, we do a couple different types of episodes on this podcast. So what you're listening to is the AMMA, Ask Michael Mogul Anything. You guys submit the questions, text us 404-531-7691, and then we answer them on the podcast. But we also do other types of episodes. For example, weekly, we've got our interview series where we interview experts in the legal industry and beyond. So we interview a lot of people, not just lawyers, CEOs, athletes, various types of entrepreneurs. I mean, incredible, incredible people. Like the diversity of guests is absolutely amazing. And I think that's one of the things people love the most about the podcast. And then we've got our Encore Editions, which is us bringing back some of the most popular episodes of the podcast over the last three years. And we feature those as well, sometimes throughout the week. So we don't run any ads on the podcast. My commitment is we don't run any ads. I'm not interested in taking anybody's money. In fact, I like for us to be able to keep the podcast authentic to what it is. There's nothing that's off limits. Guests can come on, say whatever they want. Things can be presented unfiltered so that we are not behoven to some sort of sponsors or something, things like that, where you can't say this or you can't say that. The only thing that we ask is that if you get any sort of value from this podcast, that you go out and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or wherever it is that you listen to the podcast. This helps us reach more people and ultimately helps get these insights to more leaders. So with that, Jessica, let's do this thing. I'm excited. All right. Yeah. So I went through the hundreds and hundreds of questions that we have queued up and really tried to bring this around a theme of mentorship this week because I think we all need great mentors and leaders and people in our lives to help us. So First of all, in this one, huge congrats on winning EY's Entrepreneur of the Year, Michael. So we're all proud of that one. But with this person and this question, are there any lessons from your mentors that really stand out as being instrumental in achieving this recognition? So that's probably the most recent one. And I'm humbled and honored. I actually did not expect to win this one. So EY's Entrepreneur of the Year, you and I were there just a few weeks ago. And I was even telling you like on our way the days leading up to it, I was like, don't get your hopes up. On the way there, even before we were about to leave, I'm like, hey, you want to just bail on this thing? Because they don't tell you if you're one or not. And 
I didn't feel that my chances were very high because there's a lot of incredibly impressive entrepreneurs. I mean, I made it as a finalist, came out to Charlotte, did those interviews. They review everything from deep audited financials to the references that you need to the letters of recommendation. I mean, it's an incredible process and they do it the right way. I think that's excellent. But when I was there with the finalists, there was just incredible, incredible leaders and entrepreneurs. I mean, I remember there was one guy that they were regrowing kidneys, right? I mean, they were just changing the face of healthcare. And I'm thinking, okay, I got no chance against that guy, for example. So I remember when we were there and they asked us in advance, it's like, hey, do you want to buy a table? Do you want to bring your whole team out? And I'm like, I don't know, right? Like, just because this guy's going to be a long night. And early on in the night, I think it was maybe like, the, man, it must have been like almost 30 minutes in. Boom, they called my name out and I was absolutely shocked. I'm still shocked. So it's incredible. But the reason why I mentioned this is that so much of that, yes, I accepted the award, but it's really a byproduct of the incredible job that our team has done and the trust that our clients have placed in us. And I'm not saying this to do lip service. I mean, I truly, truly mean that. Whenever we pull anything off, whenever anybody sees a big initiative, they see me standing on stage at a conference or like one of our Game Changer Summits, there's hundreds of people that were involved and they were working very hard for like weeks, months, or years to put that together. And, and like, I might just be the face of it, but the credit really goes to them. And you remember this, as soon as we got back the very next day, we celebrated the team. And people were like, oh, congratulations, Michael. But it's really congratulations to an incredible team because our numbers wouldn't be what they were. Our client outcomes wouldn't be what they were. All those things would not be true if you don't have a team. And it really takes a great team to accomplish anything meaningful. What's the expression? You can go fast alone, but you can go far together. And it's so, so true. And I think the quality of your team, the quality of your culture is really going to dictate the effectiveness of your organization and the results that you achieve. So look, I may have had some ideas. I may have exercised courage in terms of placing some bets and making certain decisions over the years, but I think the majority of it is really tied to our team, our leaders, just because there's only so much that I can do. It's really because you've got well over 100 people that are executing on a daily basis, and then those results start to compound over months and years, and, and ultimately that's how people see these great outcomes, and you start to win these awards. I just accept the award, but the credit really goes to the team. Absolutely. So what it's, was the question? I don't know if I even answered the I question. I don't think you answered the question. So that was the backstory on EY. But are there any lessons from your mentors that really stand yeah. out in achieving so, this recognition? So the same thing I just said, it goes together perfectly because I think my best mentors, when I think back, they've always emphasized the importance of prioritizing the people in the organization and they've been putting people first. So if you want to achieve anything, you want profits, you want to have great outcomes, it's always put the people first. Whenever we're speaking to any law firm, a lot of times the question becomes, well, how do I make sure I never worry about where my next case is coming from? It really starts with, number one, can you make sure that your clients are getting the absolute best experience and the best representation? But in order for that to happen, it really comes as a function of how are you treating your team? Are you helping them achieve their goals? And if you can help someone achieve their goals, they'll ultimately return the favor and help you achieve your vision. So anytime we've prioritized the people in the organization, we've had great results and great outcomes. And I think that if you get the people aspect right, that solves every other challenge that's downstream. And that's number one, people and culture. Absolutely. And there were times where we didn't prioritize that. You know, early on in the organization, I didn't know anything. I didn't know how to do this stuff. I wasn't a very experienced leader, probably not a very good leader, to be honest. I'm still learning. But when we have placed our people first, setting them up for success, investing in their training and development, doing things where we focus on helping them succeed, then our success becomes a byproduct of their success. Absolutely. Could not agree more. Don't get me started on all of that. All right. Number two. So mentorship again. Mentorships can be powerful, but sometimes it feels like we outgrow them. Have you ever been in that boat, Michael? And how do you figure out when it's time to break away from a mentor and find new guidance? Yeah. It's a tough one. Well, absolutely. 
And yes, there have been times where I've outgrown mentors. I'll give an example of this. Early on in my business career, the mentors I gravitated towards were very much focused on things like marketing, right? They were very focused on tactics because my priority at the time was I just want to make money. I want to grow the business. And I thought that every problem was either a marketing problem or a sales problem. And I have since learned, and if I could go back and tell myself something, is that it's really very backwards mindset. Early on, your mentors tend to be much more tactical in nature of what do I do? Like do this, do that. Give me a list of things to do. Like we try to exercise these tactics. But then as you start to really grow and evolve and you start to really grow your organization, whether you grow to seven figures, then you start to grow to eight figures. Now you're less focused on tactics individually and much more focused on overall thinking, decision-making strategy, leadership, leverage, the things that can really add a greater output to the organization itself and can create greater impact. So I actually find that organizations, and I say this respectfully, I'm sure it won't come across that way. Organizations are mentors that are very focused on purely marketing. That is a very, very low level of impact. And I know it may feel like, oh man, I just heard about this new marketing strategy. I heard about Facebook ads. I heard about LSAs. I heard about pay-per-click. I heard about SEO algorithm update, but it's like, that's such small thinking. Because if you could solve the root issue, which usually has to do with how do I find the right individual, how do I find the right person, bring them into my organization and allow them to own that challenge, you can free yourself up from that problem entirely. Now you're not thinking about the algorithm update because you have somebody who is focused on those things and can help scale it. Now you're not thinking about how do I improve my intake because you have somebody who owns the intake problem in your organization. You've got a great intake manager and the greater competency is finding those people. Dan Sullivan's got the great book, Who Not How. I think it's a transformational concept of being able to solve challenges through finding and attracting the right people into your organization. So for me, when I've outgrown mentors, it's because I think the focus early on was very tactical. And I know a lot of people gravitate towards that. I will say that even in our coaching program, when people starting out, let's say they're in an early kind of part of their organization with revenue, they want tactics, right? Because it feels like they're getting some sort of utility of do this, do that, whatever. And then when they hear more strategic level types of things, or they're talking about hiring, we're talking about people, we're talking about more leverageable things, they start to tune out because they think, I just want to know what to do. And if I can take this pill, take this supplement, just tell me what to do, that they're going to make more progress when in reality, those are things that in many ways is kind of like mental masturbation, right? People are always interested in like productivity hacks, for example. Well, what is something I can do? What's an app that I can use, right? Because to them, it feels like some sort of like utility when in reality, people don't want to really focus on the fundamentals. And I've heard this great quote and it's so, so true. It's if you really want to succeed and achieve anything, number one, focus on the fundamentals, the boring fundamentals, and repeat. And these are boring fundamentals, like making sure that you've got the right processes in your organization in place. You've got the right metrics and the great key performance indicators that you're hiring the right way, that you're training, that you're developing. This stuff does not sound exciting, but this is really where the growth happens. So you focus on the boring fundamentals and continue to iterate and improve there. And then step two, let everybody else drown in tactics. Because what's going to happen is they're going to jump from tactic to tactic, right? Today it's TikTok, tomorrow it's something else. They jump from platforms. They don't make concerted long-term investment in anything. They don't really even know why what they're doing, whether it works or it doesn't work. It's just the popular thing, right? And then they also kind of follow the herd, if you will. So, I mean, you have to think if everybody is talking about something that they're doing and all their results are mediocre, it's like, are you going to receive an outsized return doing the thing that everybody else is doing? Or are you more likely to see an outsized return doing the things that few people are doing? So this is where like you have the difference between ambition and commitment. There's going to be the dabblers that will dabble in tactics every time they become information consumers saying like, oh, I need to hear something new. I need a new this. I need a new book, a new webinar, a new whatever. And they just start putting together a giant list of things to do when the most successful people that I know, the most successful leaders are focusing on the fundamentals. They're focusing on improving the foundation. Tortoise and the hare, right? They're the tortoise that slow and steadily wins the race. 
And maybe you don't see them for three months or six months. You're like, man, did they go into hiding? And then when they come out, it's like a phoenix rising from the ashes and they made so much incredible progress. So for me, I've outgrown mentors that are very tactical in nature and focused on tactics because I wanted a higher leverageable amount of insight. So I'm interested in not just what are the specific marketing tactics and things like that to do because I saw those results are incremental and like you may see some small wins, but ultimately that's not going to transform your organization or your life. And I became much more interested in how can I be a better leader? How can I make better decisions? How can we get people right? How can we evolve our culture? How can we actually start to do things that really start to scale us exponentially? And that's the grown-up stuff. That's where you really start to grow everything else. When I see organizations that are focusing on marketing, coaching, and like all this stuff, it's just, I say this respectfully, but if you really want to grow and transform, you've got to go beyond tactics and you've really got to start talking about things that are really going to drive the organization forward, which is your effectiveness as a leader, your team's effectiveness and getting the right people in the right roles and attracting them and getting the hiring right and getting the training and development right because that will solve every single problem and then having the right systems and the right foundation in place and iterating on those things. And then the greatest bottleneck in your organization is going to be you. So it's like, how do you evolve yourself as a leader to be able to make better decisions, to be, let's say, more courageous, to be able to evaluate risk more effectively? So that becomes the greatest area for improvement. But I'm sure it's more exciting for someone to hear and say, maybe I'm interested in Google local service ads or something. I hear those are good. Small thinking. You're never going to see a transformational result there. That's just going to take you from one tack to the next one. And you're always going to be chasing. And it's going to be like the horizon, right? Where you never quite get there. Yep. Could not agree more. All right. We've also had times where we're not quite on the same page as our mentor. So have you ever been a spot where your gut feeling just didn't line up with your mentor's advice? And how do you balance trusting your own instincts versus following their guidance? Yeah, absolutely. This has happened. I remember years ago in a previous life, I had a business and we were in the nightlife and hospitality industry. So we were like bars and restaurants and concert venues. And we used to do like photography and video for them. And I had some mentors in the space that were, I say in quotes, like successful. They were kind of at the top of their game for the work that they were doing in that particular industry. And I think I learned quite a bit because there was always good advice. So it's like generally with mentors, you'll get some really great advice, even from ones that may not be the ideal mentor. But for me, we're talking about like gut instinct or we didn't align was I always look at it in the standpoint of if I look at who is at the top of my industry or let's say my mentor, and then I ask myself, would I want to trade places with them? So meaning that if I keep doing what they're doing, if I'm listening to their advice, I'm listening to their feedback, do I want a life like they have a life, right? And it particularly in the nightlife and hospitality industry, there was essentially you're out till three in the morning. There's a lot of drinking. There's drug abuse. Family values aren't a thing. Values in general aren't the best. And I saw that and I said, well, if this is what the top looks like, then these aren't really the people that I want to learn from. And ultimately, that's what led to a pivot and leaving that industry and then starting crisp years down the line. But I look at it in the standpoint of what I want to trade places with this person. I want to look at beyond financial success, because if you only look at financial success, that's not going to tell you the full story. So like someone could be a financial success and be lacking in other areas of their life, which early on, if you're struggling, you might think, who cares, right? But that becomes more and more important in finding the right mentor because it's not just the financial, it's also, well, what's the relationship like with their family? Do they have a family? How are they spending their time? What kind of physical shape are they in? What kind of mental shape are they in? I mean, I know some people that are you know, a financial success, but are completely just inadequate in all those other areas. They're like obese, they're overweight, their health has suffered, their relationship with their family is non-existent, they're a stranger to their family, they're dependent on substances and like various drugs, all that. That's not someone I'd ever want to trade places with. And yeah, maybe they've got a nice boat. Or maybe they made some money, but 
no thank you. But this is also dependent on what is valuable to you and what your values are. So it's important to find mentors that you can align with. But in my case, I don't want to take advice from anybody who doesn't have the results, right? So I want to take advice and I want to learn from people that have been to where I want to go, right? So people who have achieved a level of business success that perhaps I have not achieved yet so I can avoid some of the pitfalls that I would make just through experience and just not knowing what I'm doing so I can learn from somebody else. I think that's really the benefit of a mentor. And then the best mentors won't necessarily tell you what to do. They'll just help you in terms of like that thought process and that thinking process. They'll ask you questions. They'll help you come to the solution that is best for you. Because if you rely on mentors to just tell you what to do, then you're going to become the type of person that does not have any critical thinking whatsoever. And you're going to become dependent on someone to be your lifeline in the event that you have to make any sort of decision whatsoever, rather than being empowered with how to think and how to make decisions so that you could stand on your own. Because you're going to have to make a lot of decisions every day and over the course of all these years that you don't want to be solely reliant on someone. So the best mentors can help you think about a problem in the right way and apply the right principles of how to you know, go about diagnosing this, how to go about approaching a problem. But and then it's just asking yourself over time, would I ever want to trade places with this person? Or do they live the type of life that I would want to live? And like, what are the aspects of them that I admire? It doesn't mean they need to be perfect. You have to look at, well, their thinking, their decision-making has gotten them to where they are. And if I continue to operate in that way, then this is what my future looks like, right? Does that make sense for me or not? And that's where, in some cases, I have found that I started with a mentor who I thought was great, and then we ended up not aligning on values, or I learned things about them that just did not sit well with me. doesn't mean that I didn't, I didn't gain good insights during the time that we'd worked together, but for me, it was really important as I've evolved that I want to be around someone that's taking care of themselves mentally, physically, that is really focusing in on their family because that's important to me, and that is also a financial success, but is making money the right way. And to me, the right way is you're making money by putting value out there into the world that others are winning as well, like that others are succeeding, that you're not making money in a very selfish way where only you win, but the people around you, like they're not successful. So that never made sense to me. And there's a lot of ways, there's many ways to skin a cat. So that's just what's been important to me. But I bring this all back to like, would you trade places with them? Yeah, I think that's the best way to really summarize that. And just a little bit more on that, just because I feel like mentorship is so important. But do you have any advice for someone who is looking for a mentor? Where would they start? Well, so I think it's about really putting yourself in the right environments. You never know who is going to become a great mentor to you. So, for example, we see this in our coaching groups and in our workshops that if you put yourself in the type of environment where you have a lot of entrepreneurial thinkers, so like in our different coaching groups, you bring together like-minded law firm owners that sometimes wherever they may be located, you've got local state bar functions, no one wants to share any ideas, people aren't really growth-minded, they're very fixed mindset. These entrepreneurial growth-minded lawyers, our Chris Coach members, they come together and essentially build this community of people that are sharing ideas, that are learning from one another, that becomes a great environment. So I think it starts by putting yourself in the type of environment where instead of talking about just people and nonsense and gossip and all this, you're instead talking about culture and leadership and strategy. You really have to change what the conversations are. And it starts by putting yourself in the right environment. And then mentors come out of that. That's been my experience. You may also find somebody that you look up to, you respect. I think a lot of times people underestimate the value of being able to send that person a message, an email, a LinkedIn message. And I wouldn't ask necessarily to pick their brain because when somebody sends me something like that, or I'm sure when a lot of other people get that, you're not the only ones who's sending them something like that. So I'd find a way to be able to add value to this person. So let's say if you're a law firm owner, maybe you can send them a case. Maybe you have something that could add value to them to be able to like spur that relationship. And then you can start to build upon that. So you're not just taking, right? That there's a way in which you can help them, right? Let's say they've got an event coming up. Maybe you can help get some people to that event, for example. Maybe they're doing something in the community. Maybe you can help support that without asking for anything in return. 
And by giving first, I think that's where you start to build those relationships. A lot of the best relationships that I've ever built came from giving without expectation. And if you do that, that's where you start to develop trust. So you'll find that some of the most successful people tend to also be the most guarded because there's a lot of people that want things from them. And anytime I detect a kind of a whiff of, okay, this person's going to want something from me, there's going to be an ask. I immediately start to pull away because it's just, those aren't the types of relationships I want to build. I have enough friends. I have enough people in my network, in my circle. It's not something that we're looking to expand. So from that standpoint, you know, the people that are in that circle, that are in that group, they're all givers, right? They all help each other. They all support one another. They give without expectation and we help each other succeed and win. And those relationships were built even before anybody could give anybody anything, right? So like meaning that I've been a part of communities where I joined and I had nothing to give at first, right? And then I started to learn and figure out ways where maybe I had to develop my skills, maybe I had to develop capabilities, maybe I had to find ways to be able to make a contribution. And then by doing that, I became more valuable. So this also goes for the standpoint of, I think networking events are bullshit. I think the best thing, and I say this as an introvert, so take this with a grain of salt. It's just not my thing, right? To go around, pass out business cards and that kind of thing. It's just not for me. But I find that what's really helped me expand my network is that you just become a person of greater value. So what I mean by that is that if you can develop yourself and you can develop your organization, that's going to attract a lot of people to you. You put out a book, you've got a podcast, you start doing things, you start getting known for things, that's going to attract some of the wrong people, but also some of the right people to you. And then you don't have to walk around passing out business cards because I'm more of a fan of the attraction rather than going out there and the solicitation and trying to pull from people. So just become a person who is interesting and that's going to attract a lot of people to you. But that requires a lot of just focus on yourself and developing yourself and building your great organization and doing all the things that require, quite frankly, a lot of work and a lot of work in the shadows, if you will. It's not very glamorous, but to me, that's been probably one of the best ways to really grow and scale a great network. Absolutely. And that's all we've got today on mentorship. So thank you for everything and all your insights. My pleasure. See you guys again soon. You've been listening to the Game Changing Attorney Podcast with Michael Mogul. If you found this episode valuable, here are three free ways that we can help you grow your law firm. Number one, download the first chapter of Michael's book absolutely free at gamechangingattorney.com. Number two, you can shoot Michael a text at 404-531-7691 and ask him any question you'd like. You might just hear the answer on the next episode. And finally, number three, if you can leave this podcast a five-star review, it will help us gain access to more influential thought leaders and bring their lessons learned here to you. For more information on this episode, see the show notes in your podcast app or visit legalpodcast.com. Oh,